But my prayer has been for this series that our emotions will become clear. And I hope today that all of us have a greater understanding of why we have them, what they're for, what they're saying to me, how do I respond. And today I want to wrap up the series with a message called New Experiences. And I want to paint a picture for you today. I want, to, I, want to, I want to lay out a vision for you today. I want to give you something to shoot for. I want to give you something to strive for. And so I believe that you've been given, if you've been walking with us through this series and, and you've been in a life group and you've been involved and you've been applying the principles and the truths that we've been sharing with you, I believe that you've been given plenty of resources and help to see some serious change in your emotions. I believe that with confidence I believe we've done a thorough job of doing what we can to help this congregation grow healthier in our emotions. And so I've got three thoughts that I want to share with you this morning. And the first thought is this one, is that if you've been participating and you've been processing and you've been putting or applying the truths that we've been talking about, either from the Sunday message or the life group, then you're getting ready to experience something new. Here's point one. You're getting ready to cross over to something better. You're going to cross over to something better. If, if you will, if you will let God lead you, if you will let God direct your life, if you will listen to his words, if you will listen to his instructions, if you will do what they say, he will always cross you over into something better. God's word never leads you to something worse. It always leads you to something better. I thought I'd have got a better amen than that, but that's okay. I know where you're at. I'm going to work on you this morning. So number one, we're going to cross over to something better. Go with me to Exodus chapter 3. This is the burning bush story. This is where Moses walks upon a bush that's burning, but it's not burning out. It's just a burning bush. It's one of his first experiences with God. And God says this about the nation of Israel, the Jews, his people. He says this, chapter 3, verse 8. He says, so I have come down to rescue them. From the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. The land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, Termites, (laughs) Olimites live. God is saying to Moses, I'm coming down to rescue my people from Egypt and I'm going to lead them out of Egypt and into what is called a promised land. There's one thing you need to know if you know anything about God. He's always rescuing us from one thing and leading us into a better thing. Am I in the right church this morning? He's rescuing us from one thing and leading us into another thing. Technically, he's rescuing you from one thing, leading you out of that thing and into a new thing. Here's the beauty in that is that he's doing the leading. He's doing the rescuing. We're just responsible to do the following. Amen? That's good news. I don't have to rescue myself. I don't have to lead myself. In fact, when I do, I go sideways. (laughs) Come on. But God's moving the nation of Israel from a place of captivity to a place of blessing. Egypt represents captivity. The promised land represents fertility, space, milk, and honey. 
They're getting rescued from Egypt and led into a land just for them. Now what's funny is, is that at one time, Egypt was a refuge for the nation of Israel. If you'll rewind the tape and go back to Joseph, God sent Joseph ahead to Egypt to become the second in charge in Egypt to rescue the nation of Israel through a severe famine. And there God placed them in the land of Egypt, and then they began to multiply, and they began to grow. But the problem was, is that Pharaoh started to see how powerful they were, and he started to want to control them. And then little by little, they became slaves to the thing that once rescued them. And now they're in a place where they need rescuing. From a place that was once a refuge. Think about that. This is what you got to get from that. God may take you from here today into another place tomorrow, but after a little while, that place can't contain you anymore, and he's going to take you from that place into another place that he wants for you. Is this making sense? That means this. You're always going to be on the move with God. In fact, I would dare to say this this morning. If you haven't been moving, then you're probably stuck in slavery. I'm sorry if that didn't feel good. But it's truth. Because when God says to move, if we'll move, we'll have new experiences. If we decide not to move and stay complacent and stay comfortable and stay content where we are, I'm just, I'm not moving. I like it right here. This is my chair. I sit in this chair every Sunday. I don't give it up for nobody. Uh, This is, I'm not doing anything else. I just, how's that working for you? Because even you know that that ain't a good life. Even you know that the Holy Spirit's whispering inside of you that I've got more than that for you. Don't lie this morning. The Holy Spirit's speaking to you. This promised land is a pretty incredible place. The Bible says that it was extremely fertile. Extremely fertile. Like you drop a seed on the ground and poof, it's going to grow. I mean, all you people that kill plants could grow something in this land. Come on, there's hope for all of us. <laughs> Some of you, I can buy a tree with an orange on it, stick it in the ground, and the orange going to die. <laughs> Not in this place. <laughs> it was a fertile land, the Bible says, which tells me this, that everything they plant is going to prosper. Everything they stick in the ground is going to produce Come on, how many of you like it when things start to produce in your life? Come on, when the crop starts to produce. We love that part, right? It's a fertile land. I'm taking you from a land that was, that was hard, a land that was tough, a land that was, that was like slavery. You had to work hard. There wasn't much room to move around. They were compacted and they were, they were living on top of each other. And I'm taking you from that land that you had to work so hard for And I'm bringing you to a land where if you accidentally drop a seed, boom, it's going to grow. You see, that's how much God loves us. And the the promised land was also a land of space, the Bible says. How many of you like a little space? We country people, my wife and my family, we country people. We don't like neighbors too close. I don't want to hear you flush your toilet. Come on, right? Like, I don't want your grass clippings in my yard. I like, anyway, <laughs> I better stop. It's space. I like some space, right? 
I like space. I like a little bit of elbow room. I can't eat next to my son because he's growing out of his own skin, it feels like. And it's just like he, he wants to take up the whole table. I'm like, bro. Space. I like space. Come on, somebody. It was a spacious land. What does that mean? That means that you got room to grow. You got room to move. You got room to stretch out. Come on, it's good to stretch out, right? Come on, some of you have been taking vacation. You've been stuck in that little car for too long, and you couldn't wait for the gas station so you could get out and stretch a little bit, right? It was a place that you could stretch, a place that he could stretch you. Uh Uh-oh. He's like, it's all good, Pastor, until somebody trying to stretch me. It's a place of fertility. It was a place of space. There was room to grow, room to expand, room to multiply. It was their own land. And the Bible says it was a land that flowed with milk and honey. I remember hearing this as a kid, and I was like, the rivers had like milk with honey mixed in it flowing. I mean, this is cool. I had a vision of what it looked like. Like, you just go with your glass, like you got dessert. Come on, somebody. I mean, and if you, if you kind of cool it off in the wintertime and beat it a little bit, it turns into bluebell. You know, it's just like, <laughs> ah. I mean, that's the visions I had as a kid. But that's not what it means. <laughs> I'm disappointed now. <laughs> it literally means this, that it was a rich land. It was a place where you could prosper. Oh, you got to get this this morning. It's a place where you can prosper because some of you can't prosper where you are because you've outgrown it. You've outgrown it. You don't belong there anymore. God wants to prosper you, but there's not enough room to prosper you there. So he's going to move you to a new place, cross you over into a new, better place so that you can begin to prosper. Milk and honey represented riches and blessings. In those days, if you had the ability to get milk and you had the ability to get honey, you were considered wealthy. It's a rich land, a fertile land, a spacious land. You see, that's the beauty that I love about God. That's the things that I love about God the most is that he's moving me not to the same place, but he's moving me to a better place. It's like he's upgrading me. Even when I don't want to be upgraded, God's upgrading me. Am I in the right church this morning? How many of you would like to have a little upgrade in your life? Well, you need to stop resisting and start going with the flow. Come on, somebody. You need to follow God's direction because he's rescuing you from one thing and leading you out of that thing into a new thing. That's what I love about God. God's never taken me down He's always taking me up. In the process of going up, I get down on my face and I thank him for what he's doing. Because it's the goodness of God that draws man to repentance. Did you hear me? It's the goodness of God that draws man to repentance. When you get a revelation that God loves you this much, that he's going to move you into something new, you'll start to repent. I'm not worthy. There needs to be something in your heart that says, Lord, I'm not worthy of this goodness. It was an incredible land. 
God was taking his people from slavery into freedom. But there's one problem with this land. It has its own natural resistance built into it. You see, I wish, I wish I could stand here today and with an honest heart say to you, God's going to cross you over and everything's going to be fine. I would be lying to you. There was a natural resistance in that land. Watch this. Go back to the verse. The, 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 back, the, the last part of the verse, it says, The land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites now live. They lived in this promised land. They lived there, but it was not their land. It was a land that God had already ordained or already picked out for his people. It was the Jews' promised land. And God said, I'm bringing you to this place. It's fertile. It's spacious. It's flowing with milk and honey. But it got some tatas in it. <laughs> We've been talking about emotions for six weeks. And how God wants us to have healthy emotions. He wants us to understand them and make them clear so that we can live a better life. We can have better relationships. We can have better understanding of other people. Right? And now we're crossing over into something better. But watch out. There's going to be opportunities to go back to where you were. Because even the nation of Israel on their way to the promised land made some statements like, let's just go back to Egypt. It was better in Egypt. And I'm like, dude, you're getting food delivered. I mean, this was like, this was before waiter was ever thought of. I mean, God's like dropping it from heaven. Water's coming out of rocks. I'm thinking, you want to go back to Egypt? Are you nuts? But isn't that how we can be sometimes? That when God's starting to do some change in our lives, we'll start to say, I don't know. I don't know if I want to change. I don't know if I like this. I'm scared. I want to go back. You know what my thought was this morning as I'm looking over my message? What an insult to God. How insulting to God who's trying to bring you from a place of captivity into a place of blessing and you're whining about it. I want to go back. There was a natural resistance there. They were going to have to fight. They were going to have to take. It was, God, it was their land. God was giving them the land, but they were going to have to take it. They were going to have to possess it. You see, when God starts to bring change into your life and new things start to happen, you need to possess them. You need to grab a hold of them. You need to say, this is my land. Come on, somebody. The problem with America is there's too many people giving up on America. Nobody's possessing the land anymore. Nobody appreciates where we live anymore. Right? We're fussing and complaining and griping about it. I'm grateful I live here. <laughs> but God says you're going to have to go in and you're going to have to take it. And for some of us, we're going to have to take a hold of these new experiences. Which means this, you need to have an attitude that says, I am not going back. I don't care how much I cry about it, how much I whine about it, how much I want to quit. I'm not going back. I'm taking a hold of this new experience, and I'm not letting go. You need to get an attitude this morning. I'm not letting my emotions wreck my life. I'm not letting them embarrass me anymore. I'm not letting them surprise me anymore. I'm not letting them keep me awake at night anymore. 
I want to be healthy. Amen? Take it. Possess it. It's yours. It's going to require you to trust God, believe God, obey God, move when he says to move, stand when he says to stand, and go when he says to go. You have to be ready to move. My second thought is that you can fight with it or you can fight for it. Any preacher in the world could have stood up here and preached this sermon series to you. And at the end of the day, it was still up to you to decide what you're going to do with it. And here's your decision. Am I going to continue to fight with it? Or am I going to continue to fight for something better? Am I going to fight with it? Or am I going to fight for something better? Because here's the truth. You're fighting either way. Hello, <laughs> you're fighting either way. Why not take that time, effort, and energy and put it into fighting for something better instead of fighting just to fight? I know how some of you are. You just like to fight. <laughs> That's okay. You don't have to raise your hand. I know you. You can fight with it or you can fight for it. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 11 and 12, Paul's talking to Timothy who's taking over a brand new church plant and Paul's giving him some instructions. Timothy is his spiritual son. He's an authoritative spiritual figure in Timothy's life. Listen to what Paul says. But you, Timothy, man of God, run for your life from all of this. What is all of this? It's all the things that will get you nowheres. Come on, let me make it real plain for you. It's all the stupid things that you've been fighting about. It's all the things that you've been fussing and arguing and crying and whining about that ain't going to get you anywheres. Paul said, run from that. What does he say? Run for your life from all of this. Pursue a righteous life. Listen to how he describes this righteous life. A life of wonder. A life of faith. A life of love. I love this part. A life of steadiness. How many of you want some stability in your life? A life of courtesy. What? Run hard and fast in the faith. Seize the eternal life, the life you were called to, the life you so fervently embraced in the presence of so many witnesses. Here's the truth. We can continue to fight with our emotions or we can fight for something better. It requires the same amount of energy, time, and effort to fight with it as it does to fight for something better. Are you hearing me this morning? It's up to you. I would encourage you today to fight for the greater. Amen? If you spend your time, your effort, and your energy in the right place, you'll reap a better reward. Let me use marriage as an example. With marriage, you can fight with her, or you can fight for her. Oh, come on, I'm preaching good this morning. You can fight with her, or you can fight for her. You can complain about her, or you can speak life into her. 
Oh, man. You can go to the barber shop and join in the conversation with all the mother thug heads who, who, who are complaining about their old ladies. And you can, my old lady this and my old lady that. And all you're doing is speaking death over her. Why don't you try something different? Why don't you be the only one in the world who's speaking life over her? Amen? You can fight with her, and all of us can do that. That doesn't take much knowledge or much wisdom. Or you can fight for her. I was expecting the ladies to be a little bit louder than that, but that's all right. Because it works both ways. Because there's a beauty shop. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just because you got your hair under that dryer thing. Do they still use those? They do? Wow. Showed you how long it's been since I've been in a barber shop or a beauty salon. We can fight. In fact, we're going to fight. We can fight a good fight or we can fight a bad fight. How, you, how do I know the difference, Pastor? Well, here's, the, here's one way to know the difference. Are you trying to be right or are you trying to make things right? Because as long as I'm trying to be right and she's trying to be right, we're both wrong. What if my fight needs to be, let's work it out. Let's talk about it. Come on, guys. I'm trying to help a brother out this morning. I know you don't like to talk about what she's feeling, but listen to me. It's worth it. Oh, my God, it's worth it. Fight the good fight. The hard conversation is the best conversation because it brings the best results. Amen? It brings the best results. Stop fighting just to fight. Fight for something greater. Let's sit in this place and not move until we understand each other. It's fighting to understand versus fighting to be understood. You see, when you fight to understand, you're putting the other person first. When you're fighting to be understood, you're putting yourself first. And you're spinning your wheels in the mud. Amen? Fight the good fight. Paul's telling Timothy to run from certain things that are getting him nowhere and to pursue a better life. He tells him two things, run hard and run fast. Come on, there's no governor on you. You're governing yourself. If there's anything holding you back, it's you. You don't have to say amen, that's okay. It's, it's you. God's not governing you. You're governing you. If he says to go hard and to go fast, then you can go as hard and as fast as you want. Means this, I can have a great marriage quicker than I think I can. But there should be something inside of us. I hope I can explain this. There should be this, this constant pursuit that's inside of us. It's, it's from the Holy Spirit. It's, it's, there should be something inside of us that says, I'm going for it. You don't have to push me no more. I'm going for it. It's a pursuit. Is this making sense? There needs to be something inside of us that says, I'm going for this. I'm not settling for that. I'm going for this. And I don't care what it takes. I don't care how bad it hurts. I'm going for this. That's the Holy Spirit generating courage inside of you. 
if you let him. You don't have to push me anymore because you see there's a big difference between pursuit and being pushed. You got to push your kids to brush their teeth when they're young. You got to push your kids to wash their hair. You got to push your kids to take out the garbage. But one day, oh God, one day, one day, they're going to brush their own teeth, wash their own hair, and by God, they're going to take out their own garbage. Hallelujah. <laughs> Big difference between pursuing and being pushed. There should be a pursuit for greater health, greater maturity, greater growth, greater marriage, greater relationships, greater faith. But we resist, don't we? Just like the nation of Israel, when they crossed over, they had to fight to take ground. We will have to fight to take better ground that God wants for us. Fight for something better. Don't settle for something less. Amen? First thought is you're crossing over to something better. Second thought is you can fight with it or you can fight for it. Here's the final thought. Stay steady. If I can leave you in this series with one thing, I would say this to you. Stay steady. Stay steady. Growth doesn't happen overnight. Change doesn't always happen overnight. Transition doesn't happen overnight. God holds time in his hands. He's the one who ordains the time for all that to happen. Stay steady. Your responsibility is to stay steady. So I want to teach you something this morning. You're going to have to pay attention to get it. Romans 11 verse 9. Paul is addressing the issue with the Jews again. The Jews have gotten into this mindset that I'm made right with God when I do right. And they're stuck in this mindset that says as long as I do right, I am right. There's a huge problem with that mindset. It's actually today called religious or religion. It's that we're made right by what we do or don't do. The problem with that is if I'm made right by what I do, I'm also made wrong by what I do or don't do. There's always a dark twist to it. The Jews were believing that as long as I've got plenty, I must be right with God. As long as I got food to eat and nobody's busting into my house at night to steal my goods, me and God are good. The problem is, is the opposite is true. That when you don't have anything in the pantry and people are trying to break in and steal your stuff, that means you're not good with God now. And that's a lie from the pit of hell. Because the truth is, if you believe in what Jesus Christ did on the cross, and that God raised him from the dead, if you believe that in your heart and confess that Jesus is your Lord with your mouth, the Bible says you will be saved, which means this, you will be made right with God. In fact, the, the Bible says you're made right with God by grace through faith, not your own works. So here's the deception. This is where you're going to have to stay steady. We're talking about emotions. We're talking about relationships. We're talking about, we're talking about the promised land and things and all this kind of stuff. You're going to have to be careful because there's going to be days you're going to have plenty. And then there's going to be days you're not. No matter what, you need to believe that you're still right. Because every one of us has good days and bad days. Good weeks and bad weeks. Good months and bad months. God help us, but good years and bad years, right? 
the sun shines on us and the, and the clouds roll over the top of us. Every one of us. But to stay steady means this. I got to have a built-in belief system that says no matter what's going on around me, I am still good with God. Because the deception was, as long as I had plenty, I was good. All is well. The trick is, is that when you don't have plenty, you're going to think that all is bad. And then what's going to happen is you're going to live a life of, you're going to give a course of life like this. And there's the, there's the straight line and you're going to live like this. And it's going to take you four years, 400 years to get to the promised land instead of 40 days. This is making sense. Listen to what it says. Likewise, he's quoting David here in verse 9, Romans 11. David said, let their bountiful table, let their bountiful table become a snare. Watch these words. A trap that makes them think all is well. Let their blessings cause them to stumble and let them get what they deserve. If you base your life on it's all good when we got plenty, you're setting yourself up for disaster. Here is the truth. I am made right with God by his grace to me and my faith in him. Period. I can be going through relational struggles. I'm still good. I can be going through financial struggles. I'm still good. I can be going through emotional struggles. I'm still good. I can be in the middle of a tornado. I'm still good. What is that? Steadiness, faith, maturity. I'm not moving. I know how I'm made right. Come on. I know how I'm made right. When my tire goes flat and I'm in late and I'm in a hurry, I'm still right with God. You don't need to say, oh, God's punishing me. No. If God wanted to punish you, it wouldn't be a flat tire, baby. <laughs> it would be, poof, you're gone. Is this making sense? If things are going well, then we're good. If things are not going well, then we're bad. It's a vicious cycle that we can get caught up in. The truth remains, if my faith is in Christ and I receive his grace, I'm good. I'm made right that way. Watch what Ephesians says. Paul says this in Ephesians, another book. Chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 from the message translation. He says, now God has us where he wants us. Isn't that good? With all the time in this world and the next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. Man, that's good. Saving is all his idea and all his work. All we do is trust enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both by making and saving. He does both the making and the saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he has done. The good work he has gotten ready for us to do, work we had better be doing. Are you steady? Can you walk through a storm? Can you go through a trial and not get knocked off course? 
Are your feet planted firmly in the fact that by grace and my faith in Christ, I'm made well. No matter what I have or what I don't have. No matter whether people like me or not. Come on. Whether they like my Facebook comments or not. It's funny, but people get thrown off easily today. Post a picture and nobody says you look beautiful. (gasps) Into the world. Like, really? It's true. So true. We're easily moved. We're easily swayed, right? Come on, let's get honest this morning. Let somebody reject you. Can you stay steady? Let somebody not give you what you expect. Can you stay steady? Don't get what you think you deserve. Can you stay steady? Can you stay steady? When you're down to your last pack of grits, can you stay steady? Can you stay steady? Because you see, I believe those trials and those things come into our lives to show us where we're at. I'm not an emotional basket case. Because I'm learning how to be steady. I'm learning that God loves me. He's got timing for everything in my life. He is with me every step of the way. He has not abandoned me like the devil's trying to tell me he's doing. He is with me and he is for me. And me and him are right. Because here's the truth. If there's sin, he'll convict you. If you need to move, he'll lead you. If you need to do something different, he'll tell you. And if you need to go somewhere else, he'll go with you. Amen? Stay steady.